Today on CityCast Chicago, over the last decade, the Cook County State's Attorney has increasingly become a more public, polarizing, and scrutinized elected office. And with current State's Attorney Kim Fox not seeking a third term, all eyes turn to who will be her successor. We're talking about what the office does and the Democratic candidates heading into the March primary. It's Thursday, February 22nd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. I don't know if everybody feels this way, but my observation, I feel like when Cook County State's attorney Kim Fox announced she wouldn't seek reelection to a third term, there was this feeling that this was going to be a really big race, given how much attention the office has gotten over the past several years. I'm not sure if that hype has actually materialized, but the election's less than a month away. And to discuss the Cook County State's attorney's race, we've brought in our friend Chicago Tribune reporter 80 Quick. 80, welcome back to CityCast. Thank you so much for having me. And I felt the exact same way. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought this is the first time this seat has been an open race since, I think, 2008. Um, And I was expecting, like, six people to get in on the Democratic side, maybe a couple Republicans because they thought they might have a chance this year. But it has been, like, sleepy. It's been a sleepy one. It has been. surprising because this, this office holds so much power. It's kind of insane. So let's start here for the people listening, A.D. Can you remind us? What is the state's attorney's office responsible for? So they are responsible for both civil and criminal prosecutions. So criminal prosecutions, you're thinking of like police making arrests for various crimes. They are the people that take those crimes to court and prosecute them. Um, They also represent Cook County in certain legal venues. So like if someone sues Cook County Health, for example, for like medical malpractice or something, the Cook County state's attorney represents them in court. Um, big office. It's the second biggest uh, of its kind in the country, I believe. And it's a ton of money. The prosecute, like the head of that office is responsible for deciding what kinds of crimes are prosecuted, whether folks get um, deferred if they're a first time offender. Um, they can also look at past convictions that the office has undertaken and if they were done right or wrong. Um, there's a lot of uh, policy power that the head of that office can wield to decide what kinds of crimes we're fighting, um, how victims across the county are represented, and kind of everything in between. Mm -hmm. And Kim Fox, who has been the Cook County State's attorney for the last eight years, two terms. What are some of the highlights in the last eight years of her being the Cook County State's attorney? Because at least in my lifetime, and I ain't been around for a long time, this is probably the most notable state's attorney, or at least the most talked about state's attorney that I can remember. Yeah, if you rewind your news clock to 2016, um, Kim Fox jumped in this race before the Laquan McDonald case came out. And the Laquan McDonald case um, supercharged her candidacy because she um, she basically said, I'm going to take this office in a different direction than it has been run for a very long time. And there was a huge campaign to get then state's attorney Anita Alvarez. The Buy Anita campaign was mm-hmm. huge back then. I remember attending a lot of press press conferences, a lot of rallies, a lot of marches. Um, to get Anita Alvarez out of office. A lot of folks were upset that she did not prosecute the officers who killed Laquan McDonald. Um, That's something that Kim Fox later undertook as kind of like a banner issue that I will be a different kind of prosecutor. I will stand up for restorative justice. I will launch a wrongful convictions unit. I will um, be a bit more adversarial. I don't even know if that's right. More skeptical of the police narrative 
of uh, police-involved shootings, for example, mm-hmm. and more strident on the kinds of um, cases that we're going to try to prosecute. I'm not going to go after as many low-level crimes just to get convictions, to get our conviction rate up. I'm going to emphasize uh, diversion programs more often for first-time offenders. Basically, if you have, if this is like your first offense, first gun offense, low-level narcotics offense, um, I'm going to institute diversion programs to see if we get you kind of the social supports you need, um, that you won't reoffend, and we can let you go. And then you won't have this criminal record on you for the rest of your life. Um, the attorneys that would be trying those low-level crimes will be uh, freed up to prosecute more violent or complex cases. Um, her time, as much as she would hate for me to mention this, it is something that happened during her tenure, the Jesse Smollett case. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to go back into all of the history of that. I think folks know it well enough. Enough time has passed. Um, but that that also gained like a ton of national attention on her office, um, her handling of her recusal, stepping away from that, her relationship with um, clouted people in Illinois politics, national politics more broadly. She was, she was part of a, a, a crop of progressive prosecutors around the country that basically said, we're going to do this a different way. We're not going to focus so much on just conviction rates. Um, and we're going to focus more on restorative justice and where we can all fit in this kind of broader um, sense of safety and uh, sense of justice around the country. And that has faced tons of backlash. She decided not to run again. Um, She told the Tribune at the time when she announced she was not running again, I told my family two terms and I'm out. Mm. So she's out. And given the power um, and the prestige of this office, I was expecting, like we talked about, a ton of people to hop in, but we've only got two Democratic candidates. Well, now we're here in 2024, as said earlier, a month away from the March primary. But like so many other offices in Illinois, the winner of the March primary may likely is likely to be the eventual winner in November. And in the Cook County state's attorney's race, that feels highly likely as well. So who are the candidates running uh, for state's attorney's office? So the two candidates are retired Justice Eileen O'Neill Burke. No relation to Ed Burke, if anyone was wondering, and Clayton Harris the third, who um, definite relationship to Clayton Harris the second and <laughs> the first Clayton Harris senior. Yes, he is a lecturer at the University of Chicago on um, policy, essentially like policing and race in America. He's been a lecturer on that. Um, he's been a corporate lobbyist. Before that, he spent most of his time in and around government. He was a, a Cook County Assistant State's Attorney, which means like you're an attorney working in the Cook County State's Attorney's Office at the beginning of his career in the 90s, which was like peak tough on crime, um, prosecute everything, get the conviction rates up time. Um, He then went to go work for the city of Chicago during the daily years, uh, worked for the state uh, doing the Dan Ryan Expressway uh, makeover. and at the very tail end of his state career, uh, worked for Governor Rob Blagojevich when he was essentially arrested. And yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he was not he was not like a Blagojevich insider, longtime donor, like political crony. He had worked for the state's Department of Transportation. And then when Blagojevich got arrested, along with his chief of staff, he essentially like stepped in and helped run the state um, when Blagojevich was dealing with um, that whole criminal mm-hmm. case against him. So he, while he worked for Blagojevich, he has made clear I was not a Blagojevich guy, and I saw my job as, like, keeping the trains running on time. Running the while state he was, by committee. 
helping helping to run the state during that entire crisis. What about uh, O'Neill Burke? I call them CH3 and EOB. I like that. Okay. EOB. So she has been in the courtroom essentially her entire career. She also started off as an assistant state's attorney, um, stayed there for several years, moved over to becoming a defense attorney. So she was on the other side of the courtroom for a while, um, eventually became a Cook County judge and kind of moved up in the circuit and then an appellate justice um, and retired, stepped down from the bench, which cost her quite a bit of money and pension payments to run for this seat. So uh, former justice, long time. Her basic selling point is I've spent my entire career in the courts. I know what it is like to be on both sides of the courtroom, behind the bench. Um, I know what is right and wrong. I have relationships with current prosecutors, former prosecutors. And I have a lot of thoughts on how um, how these things have been run. And I want to take it in a in a different direction than the current state's attorney has. My colleague Sam Charles and I reported on um, what I th- what I figured was like a very interesting encapsulation of like how the office in general and like criminal justice has changed over the past mm-hmm. few decades. Um, this was a case of an, a 10 year old boy who was accused of murdering his 80 something neighbor back in the 90s as a young prosecutor. This was like her first few years in the office um, prosecuted this uh he was 10 year old, 10 years old at the time of the murder, 11 years old when he was prosecuted. Um, case won a conviction. Um, but the facts of the case were not all there. Um, this 11 year old boy, his name was AM, essentially confessed to the murder, but parts of his confession did not match um, evidence at the scene or certain aspects of the crime. And he also, he was also managed to somehow keep this a secret if he did commit the murder for, um, close to a year essentially there was no physical evidence at the scene linking him to the crime he was convicted based on his confession years later it was found out that that confession was coerced by a chicago police officer who had coerced um similar confessions out of youth and others when you say chorus what do you mean so we don't know exactly what happened in the district when he was brought in Mm -hmm. um we know that he testified that this officer was cursing at him, um, slapping his knees, saying, I don't believe you over and over again. Um, at the time, this, like I said, this is like instructive as to how much uh, juvenile interrogations have changed. There was no video at the time. There was not a youth advocate with him. He did not have an attorney with him at the time. Um, his mom did not come to the station until much later. Um, so it sounded like he was being yelled at. He was told repeatedly, like, if you just um, if you tell us the truth, we'll let you go home. The only accounts we have are from the officers that were in the room and from the boy. We don't have any um, Mm -hmm. any sense of what actually happened uh, in the interrogation room beyond that. But we now acknowledge that uh, children that young are extremely impressionable. They want to do what the adults uh, with authority tell them to do. Um, and in this case, he said he felt like he just needed to tell them something to to get out of there, to tell them what they wanted to hear. So much of this race to this point has been focused on what will the office look like post Kim Fox. But 
in those eight years, like you said, the office in many ways has adopted a ton of new policies, a, a new direction. So let's start with CH3. How does he stand on Fox's positions and the current view of the office? He generally wants to keep a lot of this stuff in place. Um, there's he has not said a lot of ne- any really negative things of how Fox has run the office or her policies in the office. It's been a little bit more stylistic about things he would want to change. He would want to highlight more often how um, the office is helping victims, um, helping secure convictions that deliver justice to victims of crime. Um, Fox really, really emphasized like wrongful convictions, the way the office had functioned in the past, how they're doing things differently, that she was not highlighting as often the crimes that they were prosecuting. Um, he said, we could do a better job of that. We could do a better job of com- of communicating the good work that we are doing to secure convictions of um, dangerous criminals, for example. So he's he has said, I want to keep a lot of the same stuff in place, doing with a slightly different spin and maybe some changes to how they would prosecute certain cases. Um, he, they've been asked, the candidates have been asked a lot about how would you prosecute all these cases involving juveniles who are participating in carjackings, participating in smash and grab thefts. And he basically said, I, you know, I don't want to go after these kids. These kids are being used as tools by higher up gang members. I would like to be able to work the ladder up and try to go after these, the people in charge. So it's, it's been, it's like mostly stylistic changes and, um, the outward um, messaging that the office is putting out, but still continuing most of what Fox tried to accomplish in terms of like progressivism in a prosecutor's office. And when we look at EOB, when uh, she kind of speaks on what she believes the office should look like moving forward and also its record under uh, Kim Fox, uh, how does she fall? So she wants to do, um, she wants to keep in place or slightly tweak a lot of the same things that Fox had in place. Um, restorative justice programs, um, some first-time offender diversion. But the biggest difference that I've seen, at least publicly, is that she wants um, to basically communicate that crimes will be prosecuted, that the, the office is not necessarily focused on diversion. She said we would still be diverting, but the, the general gist is that criminals know the law very well, and we need to stop communicating that we are focused on diversions and um, doing away with lower level offenses because that only encourages more people to commit crimes. Um, A lot of what she's focused on is uh, implementation of the state's safety act. Um, States attorneys across the counties of Illinois will be responsible for basically filing motions asking to detain certain people for violent crimes. She's like, we really got to be well-trained and aggressive on going after those things and also deciding what kinds of crimes we'd like to detain people for. She basically said, I would make sure that anyone in possession of an assault weapon or something similar would be detained. I would make sure anyone accused of a violent crime on the CTA would be detained. Um, She also has spoken about how she wants more supervision for um, juvenile arrestees. So basically like Anything that a juvenile gets in trouble for happens between 3.30 and 10.30 p.m. We want to make sure that those kids are supervised and participating in programs and not out on the street without direction. This would be like a big expansion of um, basically like probation supervision. And I'm interested to hear more about how she would pull that off. But it's like we want these kids to be accounted for at all times 
so that they don't go out and commit other crimes. She has said she is not seeking the endorsement of Kim Fox. She has said publicly, if you like the direction this office is going in right now, um, I'm not your candidate. So basically, if you want this office to go in a new direction, vote for me. Um, of the two, she is the more outwardly tough on crime person and taking it away from the direction of of Kim Fox. Regardless of who wins in this March primary, do you imagine that the amount of attention we've put on the state's attorney's office will continue in years moving forward, uh, especially with the sort of Safety Act being um, being one of the biggest pieces of, of, of legislation to be implemented um, over the next few years as we, we learn more and more about its implementation? Yeah, I, I think the state's attorney's office has always been completely vital and uh, attention only gets on it during crises, periods of mm-hmm. crisis, basically. So Laquan McDonald, tons and tons of attention and care. Um examination of existing policies and prosecutions and uh, conviction rates and all that stuff. And then like somewhat of a waning Jesse Smollett, it goes up again. Mm. There will always be something that will make um, the state's attorney's office important to the broader public or kind of catch their attention. But the everyday stuff that that office does is vitally important to safety in the county and justice in the county. And it's important to be watching kind of all the time what the person running that office is doing because it has ripple effects on uh, people all across the county. I think both of them are talking about the office's role in creating confidence in how safe Chicago is uh, to live and work and invest in. Both have said like the the perception is reality. Um, no matter what we say about crime rates right now um, and what direction they're going in, There is a general sense and feeling that Chicago is not safe. And it is part of our duty um, running this office to help people feel safe. Um, How they want to do that is a little bit different. But like people should be paying attention all the time because that reaction or the policy decisions that the leader of that office makes um, can change the perception of how safe we feel. But it could also change um, the lives of the accused and the lives of victims of crime. It's a really important office and people should pay attention. Closing argument. <laughs> I want to give another huge thank you to our friend of the show, Chicago Tribune reporter, A.D. Quig. Thank you for making time for us. Of course. Before I let you go, for more, including the headlines out of a busy Wednesday in City Council, a list of some of the team's favorite taco spots, and some of the best events happening in the city, head over to our website, chicago.citycast.fm. That's also where you can subscribe to our Hey Chicago newsletter to get all of this and more in your inbox every morning, Monday through Friday. Of course, like every episode, I got some good news. The Chicago Independent Venue League Civil Fest continues this weekend with Jamila Woods at the Vic tomorrow night, Paul Verzi at the Den Theater Saturday night, and Yakuza and Friends 25th anniversary show at Talia Hall Sunday. You can check the show notes for ticket links and more lineups. As always, we appreciate you for reading, listening, DMing us, texting us and leaving voicemails at 773-780-0246. We appreciate all the friends and cousins who've become members of CityCast. And most importantly, we appreciate you making time bright and early tomorrow to read Hey Chicago and to listen to CityCast Chicago when we're looking back on some key stories from the week with a couple of the friends. We'll talk to you then. Peace. Peace.